0: good to see you this morning glad that you're here I gotta I gotta confess to something before I get started this morning I was the first one to float the idea so many people are gonna be out of town on Christmas Day why don't we just have one service and several people asked well can we fit in one service and my answer was I hope not but let's try um, so thanks for squeezing in I know it's a little bit uncomfortable but but I appreciate that if you love it you know I'll take all the credit if you hate it the elders okayed it <laughs> blame them I want to ask a more a question this morning though just out of curiosity sake, because I'm a little bit surprised how many of you here today have children in your home like young children, like grade school and down, 5th grade and down. Raise your hand if you are in a home with children 5th grade and down. That's awesome. You are amazing. (laughs) The fact that you are here this morning is amazing. That you're out the door and dressed and maybe even fed, I don't know. That's amazing. I remember as a kid, I, I used to hate... When Christmas fell on Sunday, I hated that as a kid because we'd get up, you know we'd finally get everybody around the tree, we'd open our presents. know I'd get my hot wheels like halfway set up and like time to go to church. No, no can't go to church today. I got to play with my toys. No, we're going to church. and of course, always the longest sermon of the year. All my toys are waiting for me, the longest sermon. My parents always the last to leave the building. I was like, can we just go home? So for all of you young people here today, I promise you that this morning's sermon will not be the longest sermon ever. It will seem like it, but I promise you that it's not. I know for so many of you today has been a joy and a little bit of a challenge but I pray that our time together has nothing but a joy. I want to challenge you a little bit, but I've prayed for a spirit of joy here this morning. We've spent this month going through a sermon series looking at the beginning of the Jesus story. We've looked at uh, some questions that the three towns that were so central to the beginning of that story were asking. And I want to sort of finish up that thought this morning in a way, but I'm not going to stay at the beginning of the story. We're going to start back at the beginning of the story. We're going to start back in Bethlehem, but we're not going to stay there very long. I want to share with you a couple snapshots of the Jesus story, and specifically through the context of God's timing. The fact that God always seems to do everything at just the right time. And God has always seemed to do everything at just the right time. And I want to remind us that maybe you're going through something today that you're like, where's God in this? Why is this happening? Now, does God not know? Does God not care? Does God not see? I want to remind you that God always does things at just the right time. A month ago, I opened a sermon with this verse. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, and you won't remember, but I made a comment at the time, I'm coming back to that verse. Well, here I am back at that verse. Because Matthew is doing more than just giving us a calendar point here. Matthew's trying to give us some context into the world that Jesus was born into. Context is a really important thing. Rome had given Herod the title, King of the Jews. It was, a, it was an actual official title. Herod was the King of the Jews, and he liked that title. Herod was a very ambitious guy. I told you a month ago that he was an evil guy. But he was an ambitious guy too. He was a um, he was a, he was a very deep, kind of confusing guy on a lot of levels. Racially, he was an Arab. Religiously, he was a Jew. Culturally, he was a Greek. He spoke Greek. Politically, he always sided with Rome. What was most important to Herod was success and power, and whatever could garner him more success and power was on his agenda. Now history tells us that he married at least 10 women but he only really loved one woman by the name of Miriam Miriam offended Herod so Herod had her put to death not only her he had her mother put to death a good friend tried to step in and speak on her behalf Herod had him put to death Herod had two sons with Miriam had both of them put to death that's the kind of guy that Herod was he he taxed the people into homelessness I mean he was the reason that uh, at least one of the reasons that things were in such kind of turmoil and and, and angst during the the birth of Jesus you know uh, what going on in the world history tells us that when he was on his deathbed, he was such in agony he got a terrible death but five days before his death he tried to commit suicide and a guard stopped him One of his sons thought that he succeeded in committing suicide, so he tried to assume power. From his deathbed, Herod had that son executed. Five days later, he died. Herod knew that no one was going to be sorry when he died, so he left instructions in his will that on the day he died, prominent Israelites were to be rounded up and executed. Because Herod wanted there to be wailing in the streets on the day he died. That is the atmosphere. That's what's going on when Jesus is born. Seemed like a bad time, doesn't it? Seemed like a bad time for Jesus to be born. I mentioned a couple of weeks ago, too, that when Herod learned that uh, a baby was born who was said to be the Messiah, and there was this rumor that maybe he was being touted as the king of the Jews. Herod did what he did best, and that was eliminate the competition. So he ordered that child to be killed. His problem was he didn't know which child it was. So again, he kind of went back to his default mode was just kill them all. Go to Bethlehem and kill all of the little boys there. And that's exactly what the soldiers did. It's called The Slaughter of the Innocents. It's a famous painting depicting the slaughter of the innocents. Interesting phrase, really. When you think about the life and the death of Jesus. I haven't gotten any Christmas cards this year that have talked about the slaughter of the innocents. Um, That phrase hasn't made it into the songs that we sing during this time of year. But when Jesus was born, all was not calm and all was not bright that little baby did not sleep in heavenly peace there was a price on his head powerful people trying to to kill him so an angel comes to Joseph whose life has been turned completely upside down and the angel says to Joseph when they'd gone the angel the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream get up he said Take the child and his mother and escape to Egypt. Stay there until I tell you, for Herod is going to search for the child to kill him. Now, we talk quite a bit this time of year about Mary, rightfully so. Did you ever think of the beginning of this story through the context of Joseph? Joseph has already lost the most important thing to a Jewish man in that time, and that's his reputation. That's already gone he's forever going to be known as the guy who married the girl who was already pregnant and now he's being told you need to run for your life get up take off leave your home leave your people leave your job leave everything that you know leave everything that you're comfortable with run away run away to a hostile land and if I'm Joseph I've got to be thinking you know I said yes to all these things. I said yes to marrying that girl who claimed that the child was going to be the son of God. I said yes to that. I said yes to naming him Jesus, Joshua I means savior. I was told he was going to be the savior of his people. He can't even save his family. Now what kind of a savior is that? But of course, our time is not God's time. And in the middle of all that confusion and all that angst and all that tragedy, we know, with the benefit of about 2,000 years of hindsight, that God knew just what he was doing. That God was in control. We know that in the middle of all that trouble, God was up to something. And I'll remind you this morning that you might be in the middle of a lot of trouble, but God's up to something. God is still in control whether we know it or not whether we realize it or admit it or not you know maybe you're going through something with your family with some relationships or with your finances or you know a job situation maybe your life isn't playing out quite like you always envisioned it played out you know somehow the script got flipped i remind you that God always does things at just the right time that God's still in control God knows what he's doing he's up to something in your life in my life I'm convinced God is still up to something well back to the story we know that Herod's merciless in this whole thing he sends soldiers to Bethlehem the instructions were to enter these homes these peasant families who are powerless to stop them if you find a little boy take out your sword and kill him Then go on to the next house and look for another little boy. That's what's going on in Bethlehem. Now, some of you, I'm sure, have been waiting for a disclaimer from me this whole month. Here it comes. I don't know when Jesus was born. Some really smart people think it might have been the month of December. Some other smart people think it couldn't be the month of December. I don't know. As Bert mentioned, we know that he was born. We know that angels worshipped him, pray, celebrated in song when he was born. But this I do know. He had a birthday. Whatever the day was, Jesus had a birthday. And I've got to believe that Mary and Joseph, every year they celebrated his birthday. thought about all those other little boys around Bethlehem that would never celebrate Another birthday. All of those families that had a son who would never grow up. All of those other families who had to have been thinking, Joseph and Mary should have stayed. My son is dead because Herod wanted their son dead. Joseph and Mary should have saved. They should have sacrificed their son. Didn't they know that if they would have sacrificed Jesus? so many lives could have been saved didn't they know that one person's sacrifice could have saved so many others Mary's gonna to have to live with that for a long time and so is Jesus by the way now Jesus growing up I'm sure he understood you know had I been killed when I was a baby there'd be a lot of other little boys that would still be alive well his life began just like it would end with powerful people wanting him dead. And a lot of people want to leave Jesus right there in the manger, want to leave him in Bethlehem. But I told you we're not going to do that this morning. I'm going to share with you a couple other snapshots. And again, through the context of God's timing, that God always does things at just the right time. Fast forward about 30 years. John chapter 11, really well-known story. A man named Lazarus was sick. He was from Bethany, the village of Mary, and her sister Martha. This Mary, whose brother Lazarus now lay sick, was the same one who poured perfume on the Lord and wiped his feet with her hair. So the sisters sent word to Jesus, Lord, the one you love is sick. When he heard this, Jesus said, This sickness will not end in death. No, it's for God's glory, so that God's Son may be glorified through it. Jesus loved Martha and her sister And Lazarus. Yet when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed where he was two more days. Herod was an enemy; Lazarus was a friend. In fact, Lazarus was a close friend with Jesus. Jesus had a close relationship with Mary and Martha and Lazarus; these three siblings. He knew it, and they knew it. In fact, when they send for him, they tell the messenger, "You don't have to tell us who the name is. Just." Just tell him the one he loves is sick. He'll know who we're, who we're talking about. And that's the message that Jesus receives. But when he finds out that his friend is sick, he doesn't seem to be in too big a hurry. The news of Lazarus's sickness doesn't seem to, to bother Jesus very much. Doesn't seem to trouble him very much. In fact, he knew that Lazarus was going to die. So he waits a couple days before he starts towards the home of Lazarus. Verse 17... On his arrival, Jesus found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. He'd been sick. Now he's been dead and buried and prepared for burial. He's been in a tomb for four days. Skip down to verse 21. Lord, Martha said to him, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Martha states very humbly, and I think very respectfully, Jesus you're too late your timing is just off by the time Jesus arrives in Bethany those sisters and those friends gave up any hope of this thing having a happy ending by the time Jesus gets there he's been dead and buried one day two days three days four days they know what happens to a body in that length of time the tomb has been sealed now one of Satan's greatest tactics is to whisper in the spiritual ear of a believer it's too late whatever you're wanting to have happen it's not gonna happen it's over give up either God doesn't know or God doesn't care He's not going to do anything about it. And if Satan can get you to give up on God, he wins. Verse 38. They came to the grave. It was a cave with a stone rolled across its entrance. Roll the stone aside, Jesus told them. But Martha, the dead man's sister, said, Lord, by now the smell will be terrible because he's been dead for four days. Jesus responded, didn't I tell you that you'll see God's glory if you believe? So they rolled the stone aside. Then Jesus looked up to heaven and said, Father, thank you for hearing me. You always hear me. But I said it out loud for the sake of these people standing here so they would believe you sent me. Then Jesus shouted, Lazarus, come out. Lazarus came out, bound with grave cloths, his face wrapped in a head cloth. Jesus told them, unwrap him and let him go. Martha said, your timing was way off. Jesus said, I know what I'm doing. My timing is perfect. Martha said, it's too late. Jesus said, it's never too late when I'm here. Martha said, it's been four days. Jesus said, I told you I want you to see what God will do through me. I want you to believe. Unwrap them. Let them go. It seems like Jesus is 4 days late answering this prayer of these two sisters. Seems like things were hopeless. But God was in control. Where is he? Where has he been? Why is he taking so long? He should have been here by now. He should have done something by now. God knows what he's doing. He's in complete control. He's up to something finally fast-forward just a couple days later really John chapter 12 Jesus said the time has come for the Son of Man to enter into his glory now my soul is deeply troubled should I pray father save me from what lies ahead but that's the very reason why I came father bring glory to your name Jesus said now it's time the time has come he was born into a time of trouble. Now his soul is troubled. He was born with powerful people trying to kill him. Now they're about to succeed. There was a time when his death might have saved a few other people. Now his sacrifice is going to be for all mankind. Paul says in Romans chapter 5, when we were utterly helpless, Christ came at just the right time. died for us sinners an awful lot in that one little verse you know one thing that Paul is saying is he came that story story that you hear so much this time of year the story about a virgin giving birth to the Son of God that really happened he really did come and then he said at just the right time he died it's perfect timing he died for us sinners when we were completely, utterly helpless. Jesus' life turned out like no one could have imagined. He lived as a man. His own people wanted to kind of make him an earthly king, you know, take over Herod's position, something like that, but he wouldn't do that. That wasn't the plan. So his own people turned on him. He was rejected. The same body that was placed in a manger, was nailed to a cross. And that cross would reveal the hearts of an awful lot of people. The crowd shouted, crucify him, crucify him. Pilate was washing his hands. Peter denied knowing Jesus. The other disciples ran and hid. The the soldiers were just doing their job. And there at the foot of the cross stood his mom, Mary. Mary watching her son being nailed to a cross. And there's nothing she can do about it. And she remembers a time when an angel said, blessed are you among women. She doesn't feel very blessed right now. And she remembers this strange old man, this prophet saying, a sword will pierce your soul as well. She watches as he breathes his last. They take his body down. That same that son same that, that she rocked, that she sang to. She watches that sacrifice. And because of that sacrifice, because at just the right time, Jesus died for us. We're reminded and we're assured when it seems like the story's not playing out like it should play out, when it seems like my life would be better if this were happening, and this is how I always envisioned it, and in the middle of trouble and heartache and confusion and doubt, we are reminded over and over again, Jesus' sacrifice, because of that sacrifice, we're convicted... God knows what he's doing. God has a plan. He's up to something. And he's up to something that's going to bless us if we'll allow him to do that. You know, this whole story starts off in a manger, in a barn. And then it goes to a cross and then to a tomb. And three days later, the tomb is empty. And then he's sitting at the right hand of God. But one day, he's coming back. And when he comes back, he's not going to come back as a little baby. He's coming back as a king. And he better be coming back as your king. As far as you are concerned, he's coming back as your king, by the way. You're going to bow. You're going to confess. But you better do it on this side. You better recognize Jesus is not the baby is the king we spent this month asking some questions will you accept a new king will you join a new story will you sing a new song we we'll this month with those same three questions Travis has a song that we're going to use as a song of encouragement this morning as always if there's something on your heart something you just really like us to be aware of maybe You just need the prayers of some people who love you. There's going to be some people here at the front. We'd love to meet you, pray with you, whatever we can do to help you. If you'd meet us here, we sure will. Let's stand and sing.